happy Sabbath, everyone. Uh, I know, well, first, I'd like to welcome all of you guys uh, who are watching on live stream, uh, wherever you guys are at. Um, I know it must be some of you guys who have never done this before. It's probably really weird for you. Um, Uh, watching this actually from the internet, uh, but trust me, it's much weirder for me to actually uh, stand in front of like an empty church and to actually try to give a sermon. Um, but it's pretty crazy, right? Um, I mean, things have gone pretty crazy for the last couple of weeks, couple of days. I mean, who would have thought that we would have been closing church uh, service? And have to live stream like this. Uh, I know a couple of uh, the members who are here who were doing praise. They were joking around saying, we're not open door anymore. But we're a shut door or closed door or quarantine door. So welcome to uh, Quarantine Door Adventist Fellowship. Um, yes, um, if you guys are not aware of it, for the next couple of weeks, at least for four weeks, we've decided that we're going to go live stream. Um, but one thing we, ha we do have to remember, one thing I want to say is that even though like church service themselves, maybe the church events themselves are canceled or postponed, that doesn't mean that our church is closed, right? In the sense that we can still interact with each other, we can still encourage one another, we can still share love with one another. And that's something that we always have a choice, right? A lot of things like school is closed. Uh, some of you guys, maybe you can't go to work, and, and some of you guys, you feel like you can't even come to church. And because of that, there's a lot of things that are forced upon you. And because of that, you feel like you can't do anything and you're paralyzed. And, but one thing we can do together as a church, as members, is we can still encourage one another. We can still pray for one another. And we're also trying to see um, other avenues and other ways, other methods where we can actually still uh, contact each other, maybe online Bible studies, online interactions. We're thinking about those things. So if you do have good ideas of how we can better serve one another, love one another, point each other to Jesus, uh, please uh, tell me. Uh, to go into our sermon, so last week we started uh, this series called Rescue from Fear because this is a time where the world is very, very crazy. Uh, a lot of things are uncertain. And I know because of that, this idea of fear has definitely uh, has come within us uh, for the couple, uh, last couple of weeks. So um, we talked about last week how people deal with fear differently, and then how the Bible gives us a different perspective of fear, right? So we have two different types of fear normally. So one fear is you just drown in fear. You're paralyzed by fear. Everything that you do is shaped around fear or restrictions, things you cannot do, right? Um, so you say things like, hey, because of this whole crisis, my finance is going to go down the drain. For some of you guys, you could say, what do I do with my family now? For some of you guys, it's your career. Okay, some of you guys, it's your relationships, and you go, it's ruined, right? You're constantly in this fear. Uh, but there's actually this other extreme, uh, how people deal with fear. And it's, it's ex especially when you 
uh, look at a lot of like the self-help books, um, a lot of the videos that you watch, uh, how to get rid of fear. What they're going to tell you essentially is, hey, you're thinking about the worst possible thing that can happen in your life. But the thing is, reality is, that worst thing that could ever happen to you in your life, it's not going to happen. Okay? So basically what they're saying is your fear is irrational. Your fear, it's too much. Instead, what you need to do is realize the fears that, the worst fear that you have, it's not going to happen anyways. So don't worry about that. Think about the positive things in life. Think about the blessings that you have in life. Think about those things, and then your life will be better. Okay? But we talked about last week how both of these views, extreme views, whether you are paralyzed by fear or you are so optimistic, you don't think about like your life at all. You don't think, you don't actually handle some of the bad things that are going on in your life, and you just uh, put your hand in the, put your head in the sand, and you just go la 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 la. Everything is fine. Uh, both of those views are not very helpful for us, because either you're going to be paralyzed or you're going to be numb. And both of those views, we said, is not adequate. It doesn't help us. The Bible actually provides us with a third way. Okay, and we talked about this a little bit last week. And the third way we're going to read uh, from, uh, from um, Psalms today, and then I'll read it for you guys. This is what David says. He actually does something very, very uh, different than what we would normally do. Okay? He doesn't take this, oh, fear, 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 but he doesn't take this optimism, optimism either. This is what he says. This is from uh, Psalms 27, and this is what David says. David is a king, and this is what he says. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He continues on. When the wicked events against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes, who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Though, uh, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Okay, so again, he has a very, very a balanced view on all of this. Because what we see here, he doesn't just say, positive thinking, positive thinking. right? He doesn't just say, I'm going to think the most optimistic thoughts, and therefore I have peace. Therefore, I'm not going to be afraid. That's not what he says, right? He says, I'm actually going to think about the worst things that could happen to me. But he still says, I'm not going to be paralyzed by fear. Do you see that? Okay. He actually says, I'm going to think about the worst, and yet, I'm going to have this principle or the secret of being poised. I'm not going to be in fear. So he actually says some of these things. He actually says, 
an army might besiege me. That's the worst thing that could happen to a king. The worst thing that could happen to a king is an army comes, tries to destroy his land, his castle, his people, right? The worst thing that could happen is a war as a king. Now, he goes even further. He says, personally for me, what's the worst thing that could happen? Which is, my father and mother forsake me. My relationships fall apart. Again, the self-help books will say, that's not going to happen. Why are you worrying about those things? Instead, David says, no, I'm going to actually think about the worst things that could ever happen to me. And yet, I'm going to have peace. Okay, why does he say that? He says this because he's saying, I could think of the worst possible scenario that could ha happen to me in my life, but it doesn't matter. Okay? Situations, circumstances don't matter to me. I have something that's going to keep me poised. I have something that's going to keep my peace even through the worst situation. So I have a question for you guys. Okay? The question is, even with this whole coronavirus and everything else, I want to ask you, okay, whether you are fearful of the coronavirus or not, what is the worst thing that could happen to you? Okay, is it finance? Is it career? Is it your waist size? Is it your beauty? Is it your relationships? What's the worst thing that can happen? Think about it. And now think, if that thing did happen, are you prepared to handle it? What David is saying here is, he thinks of the worst case scenario, worst things that could happen in his life, and he's saying, I have something where I am prepared for the, even the worst scenario ever. So this is good news for you and me. Some of you guys who are in this, in this uh, spectrum where you say, I'm so scared of coronavirus. Everything's falling apart for me. I feel scared at work. I feel afraid even talking to people. For you guys, this is going to be awesome. Because now David's saying, I have something where this is going to prepare you to still not be in fear. For some of you guys, you're like, ah, coronavirus, whatever. But what if something really bad happens in your life? What if the thing, the worst thing that you thought of does actually happen? David actually says, here is the principle. This is what you need to do in order for you to keep your peace. So what does David actually say? This is what he says. One thing I ask from the Lord. This is uh, from Proverbs 27, 1 through 4. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord of all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So there's, he says there's one thing, but in one thing, there's three different actions. 
Okay, let me, I highlighted this. Right? He says one thing. There's one thing I ask, but he actually asks for three things. But they're all the same thing, basically. Okay? There's three verbs there. One is dwell. The other is gaze. The other is seek. Okay, now, what is he basically saying? He's basically saying, I really, really want you, God. And it is you that's going to keep my peace throughout all the worst scenarios in my life. So that's, that's basically the conclusion. But we're going to see how he actually got there and what he actually means. But you see, many of us, you guys might say, oh, but I, I, I'm dwelling with God or I'm gazing at God. I'm seeking God, but I don't, I don't have this peace. So what are you talking about, David? Now, you have to understand, he says you have to dwell and gaze and seek all together. Those are one thing. Now, most of us, okay, whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian, we seek God. Okay? We, but the thing is, we only do one of these things, not all three. Okay, for example, there's times, whether you believe in God or not, you seek God. Why? Because, like for example, some of you guys, uh, because of the coronavirus, life is uncertain, you are seeking God. Why? Because you are scared. Although that's not a bad reason, but basically, you basically say, I will only seek him when I need something from him. But after the coronavirus goes away, what happens? I don't need him anymore. Okay? Some of you guys, your relationships are not good. Maybe your finance is not good. Then what do you do? You seek God. You, go, you pray. You start praying like crazy. But what happens when things get better? We stop seeking. So we're only seeking not to gaze, not to dwell, but only seeking. Some of us, we gaze, but not necessarily seek or dwell. Some of us, we go, you know what? This Bible stuff, this Christianity stuff, this Jesus stuff, He's really cool. I think there's a lot I can learn from this. Okay, so you gaze upon it. You go, wow, that's inspirational. That's cool. You know what, Jesus, he's just going to be my role model. I'm going to gaze upon him. But you don't actually seek him. You don't actually dwell with him. Do you see what I'm saying? For a lot of us, we do just one of these things. We actually don't do all three. Basically, essentially what I'm trying to say and what David is trying to say is this. Many of us are okay with God. We are okay as far as he can give us stuff. Just like a genie in a bottle, we're okay going to him. We're okay rubbing it when we need him. But when we don't need him anymore, we go, uh-uh, go back in your bottle. I don't need you anymore. Essentially, what I'm saying is, it's easy to miss out God because we just want God's stuff. Okay? Another example I can give you, imagine if you're dating a gold digger. Okay? They're just, they're just in the relationship just for the money itself. Uh, kind of like, do you guys remember the story of the prodigal son? Prodigal son, he had a lot of money. He had a lot of friends. But what happens when he loses all his money? 
What happens when there's a famine? Everything goes away. All his friends are gone too. But that's what I'm trying to say is our relationship with God many times, it's like that. It's this, you give me stuff. If you don't give me stuff, then forget you. I don't need you anymore. But what David's saying here is totally different. What David is saying here is, I want to seek you because I want to see you. And when I could see you, I want to actually be there with you. And that's different than how we normally approach it. He's basically saying, I'm not seeking for stuff. I'm not seeking for things. I am looking for you. He's looking for a person. He's looking for a relationship. And with that relationship, he's saying, that's what's going to give me peace. Even at the worst scenario, that's what's going to give me peace. Okay, how does that work? This is what uh, Augustine, oh, actually, I might not have the quote. Let me see if I have the quote. Okay. This is what Augustine, uh, he didn't say this directly. I kind of paraphrased it, but this is what Augustine, Augustine is a, uh, he's a famous theologian, okay, a Christian guy, basically. And this is what he says. He says, my fears are directly correlated to the vulnerability of the ultimate thing in my life. Okay, in short, this is basically what he's saying. He's saying, all of us, all of us, we are looking for that one thing. All of us. Okay, I mean, you guys might say, well, I'm looking for four things, five things. But essentially, if you look deep down, there's one thing that all of us are looking for. Okay, and that's what David says too. He says, I am seeking one thing, God. And David's basically saying, all of us, we're seeking one thing. Okay? And he's saying, basically, Augustine says, if that one thing, okay, the strength of that one thing is going to increase or decrease your fears. So, if your one thing, which, is, which might be career, your family, your looks, your money, your status, your skills, okay, whatever that one thing is, Okay? Is it actually steady? For example, beauty. Some of you, you say, I need to be pretty. I need to be handsome. I cannot have a wrinkle. Okay? That's the one thing okay, that I need to hold on to because that's where I get my self-worth. If I don't look a certain way, people are not going to like me. People are not going to love me. But think about this. What's going to happen 20 years from now? Okay, do you think you're going to look the way you do right now? So what happens is, okay, things are going to change. Things are fading away, right? So what happens to that one thing? It's becoming vulnerable. It's shaking. It's shaking. As you get older and older, it shakes more and more and more and more. So what happens to fear and anxiety? It increases more and more and more. That's what it's saying. The more vulnerable your ultimate thing is, the more anxiety and fear that you will have. That's what David is saying. That's what Augustine is basically saying. You see why David is saying, God, 
is my one thing. What should I be afraid of? God is my one thing. Whom shall I be afraid? This is what he's saying. Right? Because why? He's saying his foundation, his one thing, it's never going to go away. Nothing is going to take away God. And so because of that, he's saying, my identity, my worthiness, my security, my wealth, my love, it never decreases or increases. It's always right here. Why? Because this never is shaking. So let's go back. What's the worst thing that could ever happen to you? You guys all thought about it. Again, looks, finances, career, relationships. Think about 10 years from now, how that will look. Think about 20. How about 30? Is it starting to shake? What's going to happen when it starts shaking? Anxiety, fear will increase. So this is what C.S. Lewis says. Don't let your happiness depend on something you, you may lose. Okay? Don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. And essentially, that's what David is saying. David is basically saying the opposite thing, which is, my happiness depends on something that is unchanging. My happiness is based on something eternal. Okay? So what do I have to be afraid of? That's essentially what he's saying. You see? He's not this like optimistic, optimistic, everything's going to be all right. No, he's saying there's definitely difficult times. War may happen. My parents might forsake me. Relationships might fall down. Okay? I mean, the stock crisis right now with coronavirus, it's going down. But he's saying, but it's okay. I mean, yeah, those things are going to affect me. Yeah, there's a healthy level of fear. There's worries, absolutely. But my identity, my worthiness, it's not based upon those things. So yet, yes, there might be fear. There might be worries, good fear, good worries. And yet there is no anxiety within me. It doesn't paralyze me. It doesn't stop me. It doesn't devastate me. Why? Again, my happiness is not something that I may lose. That's exactly what David is saying here. So I want to ask you, who are watching this, is your happiness based on something that you won't lose? Okay, most likely... Okay, including me, we base things on things that we're going to lose. Again, on our skills, on our productivity, on our helpfulness, on our rightness. And we talked about all of these in our Enneagram, on our careers, relationships. Again, these are things that we depend upon for our happiness. And that's why our happiness, it's like this. 
our fears and anxieties, it's like this. Because those things are always shaking. So David is encouraging us by example. He's saying, guys, these things are all dead end. It might stay you, it, it may keep you up for now, but it's all dead end. Only God, He's the only thing that is stable. He's the only being that is everlasting. His love for you, like Romans 8, what's going to separate you from his love? You might say death. No, death will get, get you even closer to God's love. Nothing is going to separate you from God. And he's saying that's why we need to put our life and we need to seek, dwell, gaze upon God himself. Now, some of you guys, you might say, I know this. And some of you guys say, oh, I never thought about this. But in the end, what do we do? How do we actually get there? How do we actually do what David is doing? Because you might think, oh, man, David. Thanks for making me realize that all of these things are actually, you know, everything's going down the drain. Nothing is stable. I want to establish my life upon God. How do I, how do, I do that? Because I, I keep seeking after, gazing after, dwelling after other things. How do I actually seek after you, God? This is what uh, C.S. Lewis basically says. He says, keep doing it, basically. This is what uh, um, C.S. Lewis says. Good things, as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. Now, this word is a trigger word for a lot of us because of the coronavirus. We understand the reason why we're not doing uh, life service, why? Is because we know that if we stay with each other, if we are dwelling with each other, then we get infected. Right? So, with good and the bad, basically, there's infection that could happen. Basically, what C.S. Lewis is saying, if you want more of God, get close to God. Okay, look. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. Makes sense, right? If you want to get wet, get in the water. If you want joy, peace, power, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing which has them. They are not sort of a prize which God could if he chooses to just hand out to anyone. Basically, essentially, what is he saying? Okay, he's saying, you want to get closer to God? Then get close to God. Okay, you want God to be your foundation? Then get close to God. Okay, but the thing is, this is what we do a lot of times. This is what we do a lot of times. Okay? And this is what I do a lot of times, okay? What I do is I say, God, I feel so numb to everything. So please give me a heart that actually cares. Give me a heart that is actually really loving. But I don't get close to God. I'm just sitting here. I just want the magic stuff. That's like as if a person who's saying, God, I want to be warm. I want to be warm when the fire is right there. I'm still staying away. 
Okay? I just want God to just give me warmth here where I am at. Does that make sense? I'm not willing to change. I just want God to do some miraculous, magical stuff in my life to make me warm. When God's saying, I myself am warmth, do you want to get warm? Get close to me. Come near me. Don't just keep praying, God, make me warm, make me warm, and just stand there. Get close to me. Seek me. Gaze me. Then you will actually get warm. Do you want peace? Come to someone who has peace. Like, for example, you know, right? I'm sure with this whole coronavirus thing, you know some people who are, like, extremely anxious. What happens if you spend time with that person? You become anxious. Same thing, right? But God's saying, you want peace? I can't just throw peace for you out there. You got to come near me. Because I am peace. And that's why, again, if we want to get warm, we must stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, get into the water. He continues on. He's saying basically the same thing, but he gives another explanation. There are a great fountain of energy, beauty, spurting out at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you are not, you will remain dry. Once a man is united to God, how could he not live forever? And you could change that word to anything. If one man is, if man is united to God, how could he not have peace? If he's united with God, how could he not have love in his heart? If one is united, how could he not have security? Once a man is separated from God, what can he do but wither and die? There's no life outside of God. So essentially, what is he telling us? He's saying, do you want to get closer to God? Don't just pray for it there. Okay, don't pray, God, I want to get closer to you. But instead, take that time of prayer to actually talk to him. Don't pray for stuff. Pray for him. When you're reading the Bible, don't think, oh, I got to read this, then I'm going to have peace. No, you're reading the Bible so that you can, you can get to know a person, God, who is of peace. Then you get to actually not just see a bunch of formulas or a bunch of writings, but you actually get to see him and feel close to him. So once again, to summarize, how do we actually dwell? How do we actually gaze? How do we actually seek? It's by doing it. We already do it with other things, with money. We do it all the time. We're chasing after them. We're running after them. We're gazing upon it. We imagine it in our mind. What would it be like when I have that house? What would it be like when I could finally drive that car? And that... That gives you emotion, that gives you happiness, 
same thing. Okay? Think about what would it be like if you were this close to God? What would it be like to stand next to a great fountain of energy, beauty, peace, just spewing out, and you being next to it and being soaked by it? What would it feel like? What would it feel like if you really, truly believe that God is real? And even if you don't believe it, just imagine with me. What if God was really real? And God is saying, no matter what you do, I'm on your side. No matter what you do, my door is always open. It's always open. Even when you die, that's not the end. That's just the prologue. Now you get to chapter 1. What if those things were actually true in our lives? What would your life look like? What would my life look like? Oh, man, can you imagine how much more love we would have? How much more peace we would have? How much more security we would have? Exactly. That's what David is calling us. Saying, get close to God. Seek God. Imagine God. Dwell upon God. Gaze upon God. See the beauty of God. That is how we will be able to stay poised, stay under control, right? Stay buoyant through the storms of life. I'll end with this. You can think about the worst thing, like I said, the worst thing that could happen, happen to us. And sadly, for some of us, we are going to go through that. But for us, we don't choose to go through that. We don't want to go through that. But there is actually one person who actually knowingly, willingly, went through the worst-case scenario. And that is God. Jesus, he went through the worst-case scenario. He went through the worst emotional punishment. He went through the worst physical condition. He literally experienced the worst-case scenario in his life. And he died as a sinner, being ridiculed, all of his disciples running away from him, being betrayed. He literally experienced the worst thing. Everybody forsaked him. But why did he do that? He did that so that we don't have to go through the worst thing. Even if the worst case scenario in this life happens, even the worst thing, which is, Someone, like for example, uh, uh, us being forgotten forever, that will never happen. Death being the end, that will never happen. Jesus went through the worst things in life so that we don't have to experience that. He went through all the craziness of life so that we can still have peace. This is what Jesus is offering to all of us. There's a fire right there. Many of us, 
we're freezing to death. Let's take this time. Let's take this week. Why don't you try to get closer to the fire? As we go through craziness of life, whether coronavirus or other things, may you find your peace in the one who is peace. Let's go into time of reflection.